This is a Fubar Radio podcast. If you need any more information, head to fubarradio.com. Hello and welcome back to the Callum McSwiggan show. Today I am joined by somebody that as soon as I found out he was going to come on this show, I was so unbelievably excited. It's the incredible Ferhan Khan. How are you? Wow, what an accolade of exciting Callum McSwiggan, who I'm also excited to see after seeing your YouTube uh, videos, YouTube royalty you are. I am absolutely not <laughs> ro- YouTube royalty, but I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take that compliment. Yeah. Um, so, Ferhan, you have your fingers in an awful lot of pies. Wow. I w- <laughs> that sounds hot. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, I didn't realise that, but go on. Yeah, I, I just know that you... I mean, you desc- you describe yourself as an activist, correct? I suppose so, an accidental activist. Accidental activist, yeah, I like absolutely. that. Absolutely, I was never I never set out to be an activist, but I think when I embarked on this journey, I realised that actually there's a lot of good that I could do with the voice that I have. Yeah, and I guess um, in terms of like minorities and being an intersectional minority yourself, I feel like. Uh, th- that must have kind of in- kind of encouraged this kind of accidental activism because you know there are there are gay people out there and there are people of color out there and there are muslim people out there and i think when you are so many of those and it's all these kind of minorities coming together i guess life must kind of throw a few curveballs curve let's say let's just say well, you know what they say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think you're, uh, yeah, I definitely, I agree with you. I mean, like, being all of those things have, ha- they have shaped me. Yeah. Um, I didn't really realise until quite late on in my life that I was all of those things. Because yeah. you don't always, you don't set out in life kind of thinking, you know, I'm part of this box, I'm part of that sure. box, I'm part of all these different boxes. You just kind of live your life and interact with the world um, just in a very kind of like uh, ad hoc way. Um, and for me, what I've realised is that my journey, uh, it's not its not uniquely um, sort of like, it's not easy to put it in one box. Yeah, I not only in my childhood lived in the UK, but also lived in Pakistan. So sure. I was quite lucky to actually have experience of living in Pakistan. What I realised was that even though, I mean, I obviously felt like a minority in this country growing up. Um, I mean, it wasn't, as a child, like at primary school, I didn't really experience a lot of racism. Yeah. At least I don't think I did. Um, but it's only when I went to Pakistan and went to school and primary school there that I realised that actually not even in Pakistan can I feel like I belong because they thought of me as British. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you were so you were kind of facing it on both sides of the coin, yeah. and it seemed that, that wherever you went, you didn't quite fit in. Exactly. I mean, to be honest, that's why I don't have. Um, you know, that's why I think I can like I can feel quite good about my life because, okay, fine. Um, yeah, I belong to a certain set of minorities, mm-hmm. but um, there's there's no. Um, you know, my experience isn't going to be better anywhere else. I have to make whatever experience I have on this uh, level in this country, in this uh, existence, as you know, as good and fruitful as possible. And I know that that's by sort of surrounding myself with the right people and yeah. having the right experience. Uh, you know, just going after the right experiences in life. And and <coughs> when and when do you think you're kind of like? accidental activism as you put it began because you, you've done so many things I mean you've been all over the television and 
very loud on social media <laughs> and you're a journalist as well. Oh, no, no but I I've could made probably that start up. doing that. Why not? I could Why be not? a journalist. I'm actually, do you know, this is going to sound really boring, but I'm like, I'm a civil engineer. I work in lo- local government. I work as a transport engineer in yeah. local government. So I've got a... You know, I've got a day job. We've all got to. We've all got to have the side hustle. You've got a side. You've got hustle. A, got yeah. a side hustle. But it it's not even a side hustle yet, yeah. really, because I've not. I've not been paid for any of it. Yeah. You know, it's just something that's just kind of sort of attracted to me. Yeah. I think these things have just kind of like been. I think I played. I placed myself in London. Yeah. Because I knew that um, I think I could make the biggest impact by just being in London. I think I could actually make the meet the right people if I was in London. Because what I found living up in Scotland was that. Yeah, there's a lot of amazing people in my life, but mm-hmm. uh, I think the people that really, truly understood me were going to be in some place like London. Yeah. Where there was just a great big mixture of people, you know. So when you first when you first came to London, did you already already kind of have a community here? Did you already know people here or did you kind of just like throw yourself into London and find your people and your I, community that way? I threw myself into London. I really did. I was actually 19 years old. When I oh, did wow. It. That's, yeah. that's, that's brave to do that by yourself at 19. Well, I mean, I kind of, um, I didn't, I, I was in Glasgow. I'd come out in Glasgow. I'd come out at the age of like 15, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but sort of through the ages of 16, 17 and 18, I was, I had made a gay uh, sort of like community of friends. Yeah. I'd met lots of gay people through the gay, the LGBT youth group up there. And, um, you know, I thought that that would be enough, but it was never enough. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, certain experiences in Glasgow kind of just made me realise that it, it wasn't going to be the only, it wasn't going to be the place for me to make the most of who I am. Absolutely. So I was really tra- attracted to London because I, I had um, like family members that lived there and I'd been visiting quite a lot. In fact, most of my family sort of like started off in London mm-hmm. in this country in the 60s. My parents lived in London and I've got this whole other like um, ex- like family side which sort of started off in London and sure. then they all went up to Glasgow and that's when I was born. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was all about London and uh, I was at, uh, I was I sort of studied my ass off to yeah. get into a good university and uh, come down to London and sort of, I knew that education was going to be the thing that would get me, you know, get me through sort of whatever experiences I was having at that age. Absolutely. You know, so I studied really hard. I don't know where I got the kind of like, I don't know where I got the brains from. But I managed <laughs> to actually get some good A-levels and go to uni down here. And You seem pretty maybe. smart to me. Oh, really? <laughs> do <laughs> you I do. Give off that vibe? You do. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting as well, like... Um, kind of small towns in the UK or all over the world you know when you live in London or New York City or LA or you know Toronto you know any of these kind of big cities with a big kind of queer culture and they're really really accepting I think it's really easy to kind of forget how difficult it can be growing up in like a smaller town not that Glasgow is a small town Glasgow is a big place but like I feel like sometimes they're not quite as accepting and I think people can quite easily forget how difficult it can be growing up LGBT plus in an environment like that like if I think back to my hometown it was not very accepting at all you know it was rife with homophobia transphobia racism and you know even going to university there we had one tiny little gay club and there was maybe five people in there so even kind of finding your people was quite difficult and I often, I often think about those little towns and, you know, what, what can we do to help those? Because it's all very good as, you know, enjoying ourselves in London and throwing big gay parties and having a fabulous time. Yeah. But sometimes I wonder, you know, are these other people getting left behind and what can we do for them? 
Yeah, so I, I definitely agree with you. I think that I, I wouldn't want to label small towns as being homophobic personally, but I yeah. think there's less protection for them because sure. there's less visibility in those small towns. I think in small towns like in, in small towns like that, you're, if you are gay, you're in a minority, mm. definitely. And you're not in a visible minority. You're in a kind of, you're, you're kind of pointed the question of, well, why do you even need to tell people that you're gay? You yeah. know? Um, so I think that's why it's tough. It's not, uh, I think, yes, homophobia is so, is, is really a problem across the world. It's a human problem. And I think that the only way that we can kind of uh, combat it is through visibility. Yeah. And that's what's not, that's what doesn't really happen in these smaller, smaller places. Uh, it's only when you get to the big, exciting cities where, you know, there there's that critical mass yes you know? you've got the critical mass and that's quite a fabulous critical mass absolutely and I, th- and, I, and I think and i think people like yourself because you're so expressive with who you are even even looking at you now you look you look incredible you're all done up and oh you God, you, you make show. a statement with you know your i guess your appearance alone and i guess that's something that you don't often see i mean when did you kind of start like presenting the way you do now so actually the the interesting uh, thing is that i have had to come back into who i am now sure because i kind of went a little bit underground uh you know for a while because um at the age of 16 i started to realize that i needed to i had this need to kind of express myself in a more feminine way i think my gender identity was never fully masculine sure right? yeah so that is, you know i don't want to conflate my sexuality with my gender identity but definitely i knew i was gay I knew I was attracted to, uh, you know, the male of the species rather than the female. Mm-hmm. But I also had um, I had this desire to be slightly more feminine yeah. in my appearance at the, you know, well, that was actually all through my life. Like even in childhood, I knew I was always like a little bit flamboyant and stuff like that. I mean, we were looking at a family video of me and my sister uh, when I was at Christmas in California with her. Yeah. And she was just like. How could we not know that you were gay? <laughs> like, look at you. And I was only like five or six yeah. years old or something. And I was just flaming, you know. I was like loving it, loving life. Um, but I think I, I think through like pressure at school, I think I sort of toned that down almost. And maybe sure. just from like looks from other family members that were like, mm, why is he a little bit too camp? You know, yeah. I think there was just a subtle kind of like pressure to, to, to iron out any femininity. Mm. So there was that. Uh, but then when my sexuality came into it, when I was when I came of age and I realized, OK, I'm I fancy boys. Definitely. I fancy the male of the species and everyone else seems to be talking about only fancying girls. This doesn't really make this doesn't make any sense. So I knew I needed to kind of. I knew I needed to kind of, uh, you know, find other people that agreed with me. And I think the only reason I said that to myself was because I watched uh, Queer as Folk on television. It's amazing how many people have said that Queer as Folk was the show that it's, made them go, oh, gosh. Yeah. That's, Be- that's me. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's our age group, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I watched it with my sister, actually. Um, and... I think she was slyly trying to see what my reaction to the mm. show would be to see like, like what do you what do you make of this? Yeah. Have, a, have a little look at this show and tell us what like, you think. It's deplorable, <laughs> just, just <laughs> disgusting. Could never ask, never get me doing anything like that. You know, I was like I with the flailing hands yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's deplorable. It's terrible, terrible thing to be gay, isn't it? Isn't it, sister? <laughs> but, but your sister was coming from a place of acceptance and trying to support you, or no? Oh yeah, yeah she always yeah. has been. But I don't think at that 
time she really knew sure. one way or the other. Um, I, but my reaction was like, I, I don't like this, blah, blah, blah. I was obviously trying to act as though I was homophobic just to kind of like yeah. get rid of any any notions. But when that passed, when I watched the, you know, the school kid on TV, and I was like, well, that's actually me in a way. You yeah. know, I'm at school and I'm I'm experiencing that kind of homophobic bullying as well. And yeah. I've not even come out to anyone yet. So why am I getting homophobic bullying already? You know, um, so, yeah, so it took that show to really allow me to tell myself that, OK, you are a gay person. Mm. That's OK, because, you know, here it is on telly. Um, <laughs> well, you know, like I kind of needed it validated somehow. Yeah. But uh, I think that's when I started to try and find my people. I kind of yeah. knew they were out there somewhere. So I did this around this time as well. I started uh, using the Internet at the library, the bit of, library. Bit of MySpace. No, no, I was, I'm old. I'm actually... <laughs> you are not. I just got a bit of makeup on today. Yeah, I'm old. How old do you think I am? I, I thought we were like the same age, are we not? Actually, I don't know how old you I'm, are. I'm 27. I'm 27 too, yeah. Yeah, so we're the same no, age. No, I'm not, I'm 33. Uh, well, ish, there's an M- MSN Messenger then. No, it was... Um, what's, yes, MSN yeah, Messenger. MSN, I yeah. did a little bit of that. What else did I do? Yahoo. Yahoo. Yahoo email. That was big back then. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely wasn't MySpace. I don't think there was any social media, actually. We only had, like, Friends United. Oh, God. With all the the people (laughs) we didn't want to, like, actually reunite with. (laughs) I think there was a bit of that. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so I used that to do a little Google search. Sure. No, actually, it was a Yahoo search. It was Google was not a big thing back then. So Yahoo search to find out about being gay in Glasgow or something. Yeah. Like, they came up with this. Uh, LGBT youth group called called well I'll tell you what I called it when I went there I called it um, <laughs> it was called Biggles Biggles which, yeah which is obviously an acronym for or a portmanteau of bisexual gay and lesbian uh. but when I went to the first um the first sort of meetup, which was on a Tuesday in Dixon Street in Glasgow. Um, <clears throat> I kind of waited outside. I was really nervous. And I was like, oh, dear, am I really going to do this? don't know what this means to me. So I kind of like went in and then I just sort of screamed around the place. I was like, I'm looking for Big Les. I'm looking for Big Les. No. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, who's Les? Who's Big Les? <laughs> <laughs> big Bird? There's Big Bird, but there's no Big Les. <laughs> oh, it, uh, Obviously uh, mispronounced. Oh, he means Biggles. I, I, I kind of did a similar thing, like mm. trying to like build up the the confidence and the courage to go and have a little look in and I would often like walk past but I never I never actually went in myself so you know good good for you for actually going in and trying to find big les <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what I was 15 at the time yeah actually I think that is quite a big it, thing it takes a lot 15 yeah I want to go back to what you were saying about your your kind of gender expression oh yeah um and like saying about your femininity and I think you know just because you're a gay man or I'm a gay man or anybody is it doesn't mean that they necessarily are going to be more feminine but it is quite a common trait amongst gay men there is an awful lot of femininity amongst gay men do you know what I think that if you're a gay man and you're also feminine yeah you have you're less able to hide your sexuality absolutely you know so if you're a gay man and you're masculine yeah I actually think it's a lot easier for you to hide your sexuality it's almost like a passing privilege not quite but almost that's the word I would use I mean it's you know we have to kind of like confront the fact that there are privileges like that out there Mm -hmm. and let's be less afraid of that because it it does make a difference and I, I, I think that gay men that are feminine I think that association only comes from the fact that uh, feminine gay men are it's less easier to hide Uh, but in saying that there are so many feminine men out there as well that aren't 
aren't gay mm-hmm. and they can kind of I don't know they, I, I don't know what do you think of, of, of feminine straight men do you think that they're a, do, do you think they kind of like almost try not to be associated with being gay or do you think they uh, possibly um, secretly are gay but they won't well, admit it I, I, I had a friend who was you know 100% straight guy and he really really struggled because he was very very effeminate himself and growing up he had people constantly questioning his sexuality you know are you gay his parents even sat him down and had the conversation with him like is there something you want to tell us we yeah. you know are, are, do you like boys or girls and they really and then they outright said you know we think you might be gay are you gay and you know he he absolutely wasn't and mm. you know he's he he's grown up now and he's living his life as a straight man and he's always been a straight man but there was always that kind of assumption and i think that can whether you're gay or straight those kind of, you know when you don't want to be outed or whether you just genuinely are straight you don't want people kind of speculating about who you are or aren't attracted to just because of the way that you behave and i think gay men in particular we almost I certainly did, and it sounds like you did as well. We almost go on a kind of journey with our expression. I know that when I was a, a young, young child, I didn't. The, the world hadn't told me how men should, in 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 quotations, how men should behave. So I was kind of just myself, and I was quite over the top and quite feminine. Fabulous. And then quite quickly, I think when you start reaching kind of like the age of five, six, you start going into school, mm. that's when people start making comments and other boys at school might stop bullying you and at that point I think you start to repress your natural just the, the way you are yeah. and you bury that. And then for me when I came out, I was then like now I'm going to rebel and now I'm going to be the most feminine person. I'm going to walk down the street and I'm going to throw glitter everywhere and I'm going to wave my rainbow flag yeah. and I'm just going to be the most fabulous person I can sure. be. And then I did that for a few years and then I just kind of settled into yeah. who I naturally am. And I've met so many gay men who have been on that journey and it sounds very much like that's the journey you went on as well. I think so and I think that that is not, uh, I think that's because you're you as a human being are just kind of like reacting to what's external mm-hmm. like what's in the outside world yeah. like reacting to you like you know you're kind of um angry almost at the fact mm. that so many people have like tried to f- minimize your feminine side as a boy because um society expects boys to be extremely you know quote-unquote masculine in so many ways as, uh, who knows what masculine even is but if masculine means being really tough or being really like you know uh, out of touch with your emotions and being almost kind of mean to people and things like that why why should i uh, have to have to character, c- carry those characteristics if they're not me absolutely and why should i be into sport if it's not something that interests me or you know if sport does interest me but can i still be a little bit you know can i do all the feminine sports like gymnastics or whatever you know what i think uh, there is a journey but I think what I would say is that um, when when you when you come out the other side, you're you're almost trying to find this equilibrium. There's going to be like peaks and troughs until you kind of like you find that equilibrium, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I did go on that kind of journey as well. Mm-hmm. But then I've got a really good friend actually uh, that I've kind of spent the last year and a half getting to getting to know his side of the story. Um, now he's he's he identifies as non-binary. But he was trans yeah. uh, at at sort of sixteen school school years, but he was not when he did come out as trans. Yeah, he was basically you know not accepted by the people that mattered sure. and went into the closet and was ultra masculine, and um, he's straight. Yeah, you know he's completely straight. He's not 
really that attracted to women, but he's, uh, sorry, he's not really that attracted to men, but he's um, very much attracted to women. He wants yeah. relationships with women. When he talks about his uh, relationships with women, they sound very, you know, genuinely like love, like, you, you know, you you know you love someone when there's that weakness within yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. I never get that with women, really. I never get weak. Like, I never kind of, you know, fall in love with women ever. But it happens with guys. For him, it happens with girls, not with men. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, but he's he's trans. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. she is trans. She's trying to come out. Okay. So definitely gender identity and sexual identity, not always linked. Not always connected. Not, not always, always connected, connected at all. Well, you, I mean, we could talk about this all day, but I think, really I feel like we should play a little bit of music. So okay. here's a little bit of Troy Savan just for you. I absolutely adore and love that song by Troy Savan. And I think the reason I think that song has so much resonance is because kind of it's the the meaning behind the song um and the the song apparently is about trying to kind of reconcile your faith with your sexuality yeah um so i i I picked that song because i kind of wanted to have a conversation about that you know i think there are so many people out there who are religious and there are all these ideas out there that you can't be both religious and gay and I think it's it. You absolutely can. Like there are so many people all around the world who are kind of both of those things. And 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 what I find really beautiful about that song is it's it's the difficulty of uh, one of the lyrics is um, without losing a piece of me. How will I get to heaven? You know, without I, I'm a gay man and I'm being told that I, I I won't go to heaven because I'm a gay man. But that's such an enormous part of me. And trying to kind of reconcile those two things. I think it's it's such a powerful, powerful thing. And I think it's something that we don't talk about very often. I think it's something that we don't address. So as as a Muslim gay man, how do you feel about kind of have, having faith and also being a gay man? Absolutely. I think I uh, have to 100% agree with you that we don't talk about this enough. Yeah. You know, this um, idea that... LG, being LGBT and being a person of faith, having a religion, are completely separate realms that mm-hmm. can never coincide or never have anything to do with each other. And you only have to see, uh, you know, you all have to look in the the Anglican Church, I think it is. Well, it, whatever church it is, Christian Church. There are so many really inspiring, um, you know, gay leaders within the faith. Yeah. I don't um I'm not great with the names. I don't know if it's like gay bishop or gay like um what's the other word? Oh, I'm not sure what Priest. they mean. Yeah. I'm sure there's <laughs> lots of them. Now, um if the if they can if there can be Christian uh leaders that are, you know, LGBT, why why can't there be Muslim leaders that are LGBT too? Absolutely. We obviously need it. Now, what that really kind of like asks the question what is it what's the difference between islam and christianity and there shouldn't really be much difference mm-hmm. because they're both from you know um the same their the roots that are in judaism they're just slightly different uh, interpretations i suppose i mean i'm not i'm not a big expert on how they um they came out of uh, judaism but there shouldn't be any real reason why um you can be a gay Christian, but you can't be a gay Muslim, for example. You yes. Know? It should be just as acceptable. Um, you know, they're both uh, religions of the book and things like that. But um, for me, I think actually it really 
boils down to one fact for me. The fact is that uh, only only God can judge you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no human being on this planet can judge you and decide whether you go to heaven or hell. No human being on the planet gets that uh, authority. Only God has that authority. And um, if you believe in God, you should believe that actually. No human being can tell you that you're going to go to hell simply for for being gay. It's yeah. just not. There's not. It's not written anywhere that that's the case. There's, the, there's like slight like suggestions that maybe might mean that, but yeah. like they're being. It's being misinterpreted and 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 it's like being almost changed by man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I I I completely agree with what you're saying that you know, God would have the the final say. Yeah, as it were, as it were. Well, obviously, uh, God has a final say on whether you go to heaven or hell. Yeah. But um, for me, I think um, there's a vested interest mm-hmm. in uh, leaders of faith to say that uh, being gay is a sin. Mm-hmm. And that vested interest is basically because uh, they don't want to lose followers, maybe because, you know, gay people uh, don't produce children. So they can't. Um, but in the modern day, that seems so such a strange idea you know we, it's not like we have population problems in modern no. day it's not like gay men are causing ma- it's causing mankind to die out or, or anything like that I definitely agree with you I mean you only have to consider the fact that in the 1970s mm-hmm. there were 3 billion people on this planet yeah we're here now in 2018 there are 7 billion people on this planet okay within 30 years the population of the earth has doubled if yeah. anything I think maybe, we're doing the world a favour yes almost <laughs> possibly although I don't want to say that we're overpopulated I don't think we are an yeah. overpopulated planet just yet just yet not really <laughs> because uh, actually did you know that you can fit all of the world's inhabitants into the state of Texas can you actually yes it'd be a bit cramped it'd though. be very cramped but <laughs> I've also worked out that the population density would be the same as Paris no. Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, so we're fine. So actually, we're fine. <laughs> we're absolutely fine. We're not overpopulated. Yeah. We're okay. Right? But in saying that, there's not really any pressure to reproduce either. Like, the, if yeah. you want to live until the age of 45 without children and do great things in your life, you should feel free to do that without any stigma. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I think f- what religious, what religions really did, uh, in my interpretation of what religion is, I think that they did uh, come, at a, come around at a time when human beings were being quite bad to each other. Sure. So uh, before religions, I do think that uh, people were not nice to each other. They would kill, they would steal, there were all these things without repercussions. I think religion really stepped in to try and stop people from being really nasty to each other. Yes. You know, I think that there was a role for religion way back when. And I think that when religions were founded, you know, all those you know, 2000 years ago and, you know, for, for Islam, it was uh, 1400 years ago, roughly. Yeah. I think that people were a lot more malleable. You know, yes. people could believe something without uh, necessarily seeing the evidence, you know, because there was sure. no other evidence really to go on. So it was quite sort of um, simple to be able to kind of come out and say, do you know what, right? Like, actually, God's watching you. And if you do that, like, you're going to go to hell. Because they had no evidence of anything else. So it, yeah. it, it made sense to go, oh, well, that makes sense. And I don't want to go to hell. So I'm uh, absolutely, I'll do what you say. I, I, I definitely won't be gay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so I was going to come on to the fact, so that started off with, you know, sins like murder and stealing and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then they realized, oh, he stopped murdering and stealing because he's scared of going to hell. Mm. I could use that for, like, being gay or anything. Like, you could do it for anything now. I can just have a field day. And, yeah, I think that 
because the majority of people in this world are heterosexually orientated, mm-hmm. let's just, you know, let's be honest, I think nine out of ten people would, uh, you, we, we can both agree, I think it's nine out of ten people we can both agree are, are going to be heterosexual yeah, oriented absolutely. pretty yeah. much. Um, so if there's a minority, uh, I think, you know, they can be scapegoats. Minorities always become scapegoats to things. So it's like blame the gays. Like let's um, let's let's blame blame the gays blame blame the gays for the ills of society. Why not? Yeah, you know they're an easy target. They're in the minority. So uh, I think that making you know gay sex a sin was something easy to do, mm-hmm. and you know it didn't really. It only hurt hurt one out of every ten people. Um, and was there a moment for you personally where you kind of realised, you know, I, I, I have my faith and this is what perhaps pe- some people within my faith are saying. And then you kind of realised your sexuality. And w- w- did you almost have an internal conflict oh, over that? absolutely. Did I have an internal conflict? <laughs> that seems like an ignorant oh, question to no, ask. No, it's not it? an ignorant question at all. I'm no, just trying no, to... No, no, I was fine. It was easy. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, there definitely was a lot of uh, a big internal struggle for me. Um, but I'm just going to take you through what it was. I mean, faith meant a lot to me when yeah. I was a child, definitely. Because... Um, it was the guidance. It was a guidebook to how to live your life. It was like, if you're good, you, um, you know, you're taught how to be good, essentially. Yes. Uh, among, among people, uh, Muslims in my community in Glasgow, uh, we were taught how to do good things, how to do good by others, how to do good um, you know, in your own life. How to, how, and because Islam uh, and being a Muslim is a very kind of, it's, it's like a really good like, guide to your whole day, actually, mm. because uh, you know, ideally you would wake up really, really early, bright and sprightly and do a little you know, pray, sure. which is good for your body in a sense as well, you know, just like getting up and touching your toes and things like that. But the idea is that you, you know, you're, you're praying to Allah. Um, but you do that throughout the day. You do it five times. Yeah. So you're kinda, it kind of like centers your day in a certain way as well. It's a discipline. To, it's a discipline. And you're supposed to clean yourself before that. So it kind of, mm. you know, you get um, a lot of hygiene rituals out yeah. of it as well. And you come together and you do that. You do the cleaning. So it's a really positive beneficial thing oh, and I absolutely. think that, that's a point that needs to be driven home absolutely. it's a wonderful thing there's lots of wonderful things about being a Muslim yeah. you know and the ablutions you do them uh, communally with your um, your community members yeah. and then you pray all communally and things like that so there's lots of positives and then you know you are reminded once a year that you um, there are people that can't eat you 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 fast for the daylight hours I don't think that they thought that daylight hours would last from uh, midnight sorry from like 4am to midnight in yeah. Scotland they definitely did not think about Scotland when they were making that rule what happens if you're if, if you're a Muslim and you're doing Ramadan and you're in what is it the North, North Pole, Pole where they have where it's like 100% <laughs> what, sunshine I think the numbers of Muslims are so low up there that it's not that, really an that issue nobody really cares <laughs> <laughs> like that kind of thing yeah but yeah it's a very good point and that's another reason I started to think actually this whole religious thing I, I have my own ideas about it like how do people like Muslims up in the North Pole mm. observe Ramadan surely yeah. the rules can't be the same because you wouldn't eat all summer like it's whole month <laughs> like you would not survive that <laughs> genuinely well it's it, it's really interesting like hearing about your background and hearing about your faith but I want I want to learn yeah. a little bit more about you personally yes I'm so okay. I thought we would play a little bit of two truths one lie Oh, yeah. So okay. you... I did prepare something, didn't I? So for our lovely listeners mm. listening, um, in this game, you are going to read me three statements about yourself. Two of those will be true and one of them will be completely fabricated. And it will be my job to figure out 
which is which. Okay. Well, I thought that I would raise all of these, uh, do all the questions to kind of like have a little segue of each one. So there's obviously two truths and one lie. Wonder which one you'll uh, you'll you'll come up with as a lie. <laughs> right. Okay. So first of all, I lost my virginity. Okay. In a country where even unmarried people would go to jail. Oh. Let alone gay people go to jail, and it was gay sex. So, I so lost you my were so you were so you were committing two. I I hate saying that it's a crime, but just for all intents well, and purposes, crime. you were committing two crimes. Yeah. The crime simultaneously, of, crime of homosexuality uh-huh. and the crime of unmarried sex. Exactly. Oh, that's intense. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, I have so many thoughts on that, but I feel like I want to hear your other two okay. first. Um, okay, well, I was actually married. I was married to hide my sexuality. Oh my gosh. I did. I got married in front of all my relatives. Oh, and wow. yeah, I mean, basically, I would have done anything to hide my sexuality because it was such a stigma. Yeah. So I married so a female. Did your wife, the lady you married, did she know that you were gay? No, I didn't tell her. So you, you were, she thought you were in love with her yeah. and she thought you wanted to get married. Oh, that's, well, we did that's, get married. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That's 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 difficult. Yeah. Um, do you mind Sucks me? Do you mind me asking if you consummated this marriage? Um, you don't have yes. to answer that question. No. Okay. No, we didn't. We didn't consummate <laughs> didn't. it. I was not interested. That's what made it. Ultimately, Gosh. lead to its demise. Yeah. Well, I know, I know you. I know you said it, it when, to begin with, you were very kind of set on hiding your sexuality. I believe so. Yeah. It would. I guess it would make sense that that was a thing that happened. I don't know. I part a big part of me kind of hopes that didn't happen. That big part of me hopes that you didn't have to kind of go through that. Um, so I'm hoping that's the lie, but let's hear your third one. So I had really, really, really great vaginal sex with my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> so your ex-boyfriend was a trans man or an in- intersex person? <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these are really good facts. I really, really <laughs> like these. Um, I mean, that seems very, very... That that seems perfectly plausible. I mean, there are lots of gay men who are in relationships with trans men and okay. lots of gay men who are having vaginal sex. So I think that's very, 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 very possible. Um, going back to your... I, I think I want to go back to your first one. Okay. Um, so having sex... And it was your losing your virginity as well. Losing my virginity, yes. In a country where... Home a country... Is, um, forgive my ignorance, but I know that you came from a Pakistani background. Um and you you you, did, you do come from a Pakistani well, I background. Yeah, I mean, I do come from Pakistani. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't normally use the word Pakistani because um, the concept of Pakistan to yeah. me just doesn't really make sense. As sure. A thing. So we can like <laughs> talk about that later, obviously. But the lines that were drawn in the you know to the borders of Pakistan, like I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable, but they were all drawn by white me white people, white men. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So sure. they don't really make any sense. So like the line, uh, for example, that separates Afghanistan from Pakistan. Yeah. It's called the Durand Line, which is named after some random white guy that Right, you know, okay. Didn't know so the boundaries of these countries were made by random white people who didn't even live there. Exactly. And the guy that drew the line between present day India and Pakistan yeah. didn't even go to that area. Like well, the so he just pointed at a map and went there. That'll well do. he just went there to do the job. Like yeah. that was the first time he'd ever set foot in the con- subcontinent. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
like in 1945 he just went there and then they were like oh we have to divide these two countries up um so could you just get a pen and just get a pen and just and just walk yeah just just scribble down straight down so the whole idea of pakistan and i feel really funny because my actual pakistani cousins are like watching (laughs) me on facebook live right now don't get anything wrong no well no i mean i'm not a national i see so much nationalism in pakistan that it really bothers me i think do you know what like chill out it's just you know it's just a flag yeah like come on there are bigger things to worry about why do you hate india so much so many bigger things to worry about like sure. just get on you've basically got the same culture so yeah. why would you even so I describe myself as having Afghan and Punjabi heritage a mixture of the two because right. my mother is Punjabi my father is an Afghan but you spent some time living in Pakistan um, yeah but I don't want to incriminate myself as well sure so I'm not going to like confirm or deny that I, oh, I had a criminal see. did a criminal thing I in, see like, yeah that let's move on from that we don't we're not we're not naming the country <laughs> we're not going to name the country all I'm saying is it, it, it seems to me country, obviously. it seems quite <laughs> plausible that that thing could be true but okay. also it could be a red herring could because be you herring. could be tripping me up with that yeah um, I'm going to say um I'm definitely saying, don't tell me if I'm right or wrong yet, but I'm going to say that definitely true is that your ex-boyfriend was a trans man. You had great sex. I'm not supposed to tell you if that's true or not. Not yet. But I'm for now, I'm saying that's true. And I feel like either your marriage um, or the the other incident, (laughs) I'm saying one of those things is false. And I'm going to say this, this, this lady you married... Um, did you know her for a long time before she you got... She was my cousin. She was your cousin. Okay. Um, and how did that kind of come to be? We were betrothed from birth. But what does that mean? Betrothed? <laughs> oh, right. It means you were... I was linked to be married with her. Oh, so it was like an arranged marriage situation. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, but okay. um, we were betrothed, which means that you were... We were supposed to get married, like, yeah. from birth. Right, okay. Yeah, like... My um, my parents and their parents had made the decision like years prior. Uh, well, that that to me makes it seem even more likely. You know that if that was if that was the case anyway, um, that and you were trying to hide your identity at the time, it would make sense that you went ahead and did that. So, oh, this is tricky. No, I'm actually going to say that that one is true, and I'm going to say that you didn't lose your virginity in a country where it wasn't legal to do so. <laughs> okay, when do I get to answer the question? You can answer now. All oh, right, okay. So, um, actually, I want to finish with the, the vaginal sex with my ex-boyfriend, which I have to say was really, really nice and true. Lovely, But it was Great. really, really enjoyable. Yeah. Which surprised me. I was like, why do I love vaginal sex so much? I think, I, I think it's actually, we should actually touch upon this for a moment because I yeah. think it's really, really, really important. And I actually made a video quite a long time ago, about a year ago now, talking about this. And I think there can often be, within the gay community, there yeah. can be an awful lot of negative speak about the biological female anatomy. Um, and a lot of gay men saying things, horrible things like, oh, vaginas are disgusting and things like that. And I think people need to be a little bit more thoughtful and considerate because there are a, lo- a lot of gay men in our community who have vaginas and they could be stood next to you yeah. and they could be hearing that. And it's very, very hurtful. That's true. It is very fucking hurtful. But also va- uh, vaginas are just dicks, slightly different formatted. Sure. With yeah. different apparatus on, underneath. But... There's so much, there's so much like good stuff about a vagina. Yeah. Um, why would you? Yeah. Why would you? Why would you say it's horrible? Like, no, it's great. Like, yeah. I like vagina. We've all had a 
had some experience with the vagina, like if it's been birthed. Unless you're like Not a platinum a stargate. No, if you're a platinum stargate. <laughs> Is that what you're, it's called? Where oh you have God, a cesarean yeah. birth? Yeah, so you're platinum. either a gold stargate if you've never touched the vagina, yeah. or you're a platinum stargate if you uh, had a cesarean section. You know I what? I think like, those are just completely dis- disgusting, I, ridiculous things. I, anyway. I think so too. And I've, and I've uh, honestly, in the past, I've been guilty of using the phrase gold star gay as in like, oh, mm. I'm a gay man who's never been with a woman or never had sex with a vagina. And honestly, it's, it's problematic. And um, I'm going to say right here and now that I won't use that term anymore because I think why it's almost like you're saying you're better than gay men who have been with women yeah. or trans people Tran- or yeah exactly it's just it's time to fucking ditch that yeah absolutely. ditch that shit absolutely. It's, just, it's misogynistic as well and that is the issue that uh, really bothers me the most actually when you realise that gay men can be just as misogynistic as straight men yeah you know, absolutely that's what fucks me off the most um, so yes so um, that's true I got that one yeah, right so I had some really fabulous vaginal sex with my ex-boyfriend <laughs> and I loved it it opened up a whole world of sexuality to Lovely. Me, which we can talk about later so now, that means... I, um, I didn't marry my cousin. You didn't? No. Oh. I thought I'd go ahead and do that. Oh, no, I, I haven't married my cousin. Oh, I'm, I'm actually re- I'm thrilled. Yeah. I'm thrilled yeah. that that was the lie. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a little bit upset that they got it wrong. Because I almost <laughs> went for that. Yeah, I mean, that would be big to be sharing on the radio. Like, yeah, basically, I, like, I had this big family drama where I like, married my cousin <laughs> and came out as gay. That's and a got, good point. Like, yeah. <laughs> but... The reason I wanted to talk about it mm. was because it does happen. Yes. Amongst yeah, yeah. South Asians, especially, well, actually not, I think it's pretty much especially South Asian Muslims. I think I, for me, uh, that's been the experience that I've, and I'm horrified every time. And I don't feel sorry for the men, actually, because they okay. have male privilege. Sure, so yeah. I don't really feel sorry for them. They uh, have the power. And they they have the power no. to say no. Well, yeah. not always. Not. I, I mean, I have got a, a good friend who couldn't have said no. Yeah. Because he would have died. Wow. So okay, it's not always the case that you can say no. But for for I think for a lot of gay men, they can say no, but they choose not to. They choose to hide their sexuality and lie to the women they're marrying, which is the real issue that I have. Yeah. Right. So that's why I don't always feel sorry for the man. Sure. Now, women, some women actually want to have a lavender marriage, you know, a lavender marriage, a marriage of convenience, a mock, things like that. And, uh, you know, that's like slightly more of a choice, you know, that's slightly better, I suppose. Um, You know, it's like, obviously, there's something in it for the women, there's something in it for the guy. Yeah. So, and they want to make that work, they want to make that work, they want to make that choice. For a lot of women, uh, they might not necessarily be a lesbian doing that. It might be actually that it's a a straight woman that wants to have marriage privilege almost. Sure, yeah, Because you can't, as a South Asian woman, uh, leave home without, you know being married mm. you know you can't be so a it, fully functioning member of society so it's not as black and white as people make it seem like there are no. actual benefits to doing this it's, it's obviously not good if a person feels forced into doing it no or duped into or, doing it what like tricked du- duped yeah of course like the woman that doesn't know her yeah. f- uh, husband is gay uh, obviously is being duped yeah. isn't she right She's being duped into believing that she's in a loving marriage mm. when she's not. She's just, uh, she's married to a gay guy who wants to hide his sexuality. So, yeah, that bothered me. But obviously, ultimately, it's society. It's um, homophobia within society that leads to these, you know, marriages of convenience, which I just don't think are, um, I think they're an affront to mm. the principles of marriage anyway. I mean, it's not really gay people that are attacking the institution of marriage. It's 
it's this kind of sham marriage stuff going yeah. on, you know, that's that's what's attacking the, the institution of marriage. So, so that was the reason that I wanted to kind of. Um, it's it's a big it's a big topic. Yeah. Like it's a really really big topic. What what are the um? So say you were betrothed. Am I getting the terminology right? Yeah. If you were betrothed to marry a, a woman, um, what are like the consequences of saying no to that? Are you able to to are a man and a woman both able to say no? I'm okay or. Are there negative consequences? Well, I think that there's um, a lot of variation. I mean, I can't say one thing to cover all possibility, obviously. But I think by and large, it would just cause a lot of, at best, awkwardness. uh, At worst, a big family fallout, which, you know, which is the issue. So, yes, I think um, all-encompassing is just not really something we should be doing anymore yeah absolutely absolutely well i'm really i'm really really glad that you brought it up and i'm also glad that that was the lie yeah which means that the other truth was that you did indeed lose your virginity yes in a place where you shouldn't have no i don't want to say you shouldn't have been because you you should have you know but it wasn't a human thing it was against the laws of the land was that a scary experience oh no i mean i just i didn't even know what i was doing was illegal that's the thing that's why i want to talk about it well you know i i was just having you know an experience as a teenager Mm -hmm. um and i didn't realize that what i was doing was illegal which really really kind of like brings home to me i think the fact that that's why uh laws against gay sex are so sort of ridiculous I think that's why uh, they are ridiculous you don't even you're just doing something with your friend or your partner or whatever that that's consensual really that's not affecting consen- anyone else yeah it was completely consensual we were both teenagers yeah you know, we were just like friends and one thing led to another it was quite a fabulous little day sounds great yeah <laughs> you know so yeah I just don't think that these laws should exist and I also want to mention that actually um Section 377 in India, the penal code, which does um, criminalize homosexual acts, was mm-hmm. brought in by the British Empire. Mm. You know, that's one thing that people don't always realize is that a lot of these, um, you know, anti-gay laws were brought okay. in by uh, colonialists, mm-hmm. European, white European colonialists. Whereas these um, laws are, are kind of used to kind of like whip up, you know, kind of like racism among, uh, yeah, against, yeah. against uh, sort of brown countries where lgbt people are so and it came from the brits came from us unfortunately you know and uh, there's also another word i wanted to share with your listeners which is pink washing yeah have you heard of it pink washing pink washing like i'm like erasing lgbt plus identities so it's using um lgbt rights to kind of um to, to to as a as a stick to beat like Muslim countries oh with, gosh. for example, you know, so right. like in Israel, for example, they'll say, well, you know, the gays should love us so mm-hmm. much because we stand up for their rights in the Middle East, whereas uh, the Muslim, our Muslim neighbors like persecute them and, and right. stuff. So that's that's pinkwashing. It's where the state, this is like a state sponsored. Using it as a weapon. Yeah, using it as a weapon to kind of like, you know, to, to whip up uh, racism against Muslims or, or things like that to kind of. Um, to justify their existence on things like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh! I mean, it's, I know, it's big topics. Uh, such I know. such big topics. And You're I like want, exhausted. I, like, I, oh. I, I want to like delve into that so so much more, <laughs> and, we, and maybe we'll loop back to that later. Um, but we are going to be joined by a, a lovely, lovely guest who I'm very excited to have on very shortly. So we're going to have a little bit of music, and then we will be joined by someone very special. So this is. 
Prince. Oh. So now we are joined on the phones by the lovely Nina, who is a fellow YouTuber, and I'm and I'm very excited to have her here. How are you doing, Nina? I'm doing great. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be on the show with you. Uh, you I've got to say, you're popping my radio cherry right now. Am I really? So, oh, oh, it's, it's such gonna, an honour. I'm never going to forget you. <laughs> well, I'm joined in the studio by the lovely Furhan. Um, and, Hello. And I. I Hello. I, I, I need you to tell us your, your background and your history because I was, I was learning about your story earlier. Um, so you have a YouTube channel with your wife, correct? Yes, we have a YouTube channel, Angelisa and Nina. And, um, well, I mean, it's like, where do I begin, basically? I'm, I, I'm um, so excited <laughs> to hear this story because I, 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 I've read a little bit of it. And then as I was learning about your story, I was like, no, I need to wait because I want to hear it from your mouth because it sounds like the most romantic and difficult like difficult but like not in necessarily a negative way but like just tell the story i need the lovely okay. listeners need to hear the story <laughs> well, well basically i was born and bred in london yeah i moved to new york when i was about 23 and kind of around the time i came out and my wife angelis was is from brazil and um we actually met in new york because we met on an online dating app way and uh yeah we met on an online dating app. And actually, I'd actually cancelled the app because I was like, this is bullshit. It's not working for me and it's, it's complete nonsense. And she sort of slipped in under the radar about two weeks before it got cancelled. Oh, no. And the funny part of that is that she had to pay $100 to <laughs> message me. Oh, wow. And just, just, just one thing to know, Angelique didn't speak a word of English when we met. So I didn't know that after she messaged, it was a very short message. I had like a full-on profile on this dating app, you know, with all this stuff and being, trying to be funny and interesting. And when I looked at her profile, I mean, she messaged me basically saying, um, hi, I'm not really sure how this works, but here's my phone number, text me. Gosh. And, you know, I went on her profile and it was just really a bunch of pictures and, and a couple of, you know, sentences on her. But I was like, hey, why not? She's super cute. She's from Brazil. Um, why don't we give it a try? So I texted her and, you know, we sort of went back and forth. Um, but I had no idea at the time she was using Google Translate to to, um, oh. to communicate, communicate I mean, with me. So I, mean, I had our first date. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, I, I, just, I just think it's incredible, you know, that she, she, she found you on this dating app and she was like, wow, I, I, I really like this person. And she really went out on a limb to, you know, have to pay that money in the first place to be able to message you. But then she didn't even speak your language. And she's, you know, she's going out of her way to kind of like use Google Translate to try and communicate with you. Like that in its itself is 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 unbelievably like beautiful that's so lovely my wife i have to say is one of, is really the most exceptional woman i've ever met and mm -hmm. she has she has um basically the biggest force of anyone that i know because she's really one of those people that has sort of an effort attitude and just wants to live life and experience things and enjoy and she didn't even sign herself up for that a friend did because she was sort of like saying that she wanted to meet someone and sort of really sort of fall in love. And her friend was like, well, why don't you try this avenue? And her friend created the profile for her. 
Um, so I had our first date all planned out. I was going to take her to one of my favorite bars, have a couple of drinks, yada, yada. Oh. And uh, she had asked me to come pick her up at her apartment. It turned out she only lived a couple of... We were in New York. She only lived a couple of uh, avenues away. Yeah. And to sort of cut a long story short, Angelique created... I walked, basically, I knocked on her door, walked in. There's about 15 other Brazilians there <laughs> within about five. Yeah, seriously. About five seconds, I had a glass of wine in my hand. My shoes are off. And I'm sort of on the living room floor with all these people. Wow. And I, I later found out, like literally a couple of months later, found out that she had sort of put together this dinner party because she was so nervous about communicating with me and she was like what am I going to say how am I going to sort of have a conversation with Nina if I can't even speak English yeah. so she got her friends to be there and sort of be the buffers between me and her and it worked because I haven't left her side since and we oh. had the most amazing, amazing night but we laugh about it because I have no idea what we could have possibly talked about but I felt like yeah. we were talking for hours that's so, so beautiful it's such a special, She's special thing. She's a clever one, my wife. She's a clever one. If she wants something, she knows how to get it and she makes it happen. So <laughs> um, I'm really lucky that she sort of took that step because literally if she didn't send that message, within about two weeks I would have deactivated my account and she wouldn't have been able to get in contact with me at all. Wow. So, so, so it was, yeah. So how did, you, how did you then go, how did you get from that situation, that dinner party to kind of, being married you know how did you kind of navigate the the language barrier did you did you learn to speak portuguese did she learn to speak english i'm embarrassed about how little i know of portuguese even (laughs) to this day three years later i'm terrible with languages but we've really been focusing on angelisa's english too um we just you know the chemistry between angelisa and i and our electricity between us really just has always held us together we're so connected um, and I've never felt this way about anyone, and I, I'm sure she would say the same thing. Um, somehow, the universe put us together. We collided, and, and it's just we haven't been able to separate from each other since. And, you know, mar- we married literally after four months. You know, we moved pretty wow. quickly. I know it sounds very lesbian cliche, <laughs> but, you know, she was from Brazil, and I wasn't going to let her go. And it was like, I don't want you you know, marrying someone else to be here. I, 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 you know, I I really believe that we can make this work. And it really is the honest truth. I didn't want her to leave. So my option was, I'm going to marry this woman. I mean, of course, my parents hadn't even met her. And they actually still haven't met her to this day yet, but we're going soon. (laughs) Um, We we sort of, you know, got into this relationship. And literally, uh, since a couple of weeks ago, we're three years now. So oh, well, we're going strong. Congratulations on three <laughs> successful years. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you. And yeah. also, I want to talk as well um, that she came out on television in Brazil. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, Angelis was on this, um, it was called A Fazenda, which means the farm. It was basically a Big Brother show <laughs> on national TV sure. in Brazil. And there was like 22 contestants. Um, and she won the show. She oh, actually amazing. won. Yeah, she won the show. Um, but she also was the first, like, lesbian to kiss another woman on the show. But not only that, she, you know, her family had no idea that she was gay. Yeah. Um, and so on this show, she met a woman. So this wasn't when she was with re- you? 
No, 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 no. <laughs> this is before we met. Okay, no, okay. No. I was, I was worried there for a second. <laughs> Don't think our relationship would have lasted. That. <laughs> I mean, I would last her being away for three months if she went on the show, but I mean, no. So yeah. she hadn't met me. This is, this is, a, you know, four or five years ago. I think it's four years, five years ago now. Um, and she had this relationship with a woman on the show. So basically, she was on a Big Brother show, no contact with her family. Next thing you know, her family's watching her wow. have a relationship with a woman, and she was the first woman to kiss another woman on national TV in Brazil. Wow. So you can only imagine... I mean, Brazil is not the most forgiving country, especially with the LGBT. You know, yeah. they're very religious, and it, it, it was really hard for her. So she came out of that show with you know, followers and fans and, and, and a lot of teenagers and, and people of all ages who were just waiting to, to see that sort of thing on the TV. But also she got a lot of backlash, like a lot sure. of hate mail, a lot of people really sort of sending out negative energy to her saying she's going to hell. And, oh, you know, it was, it was an amazing experience for her, but I know it was like the hardest time of her life as well. And then, of course, she had to then deal with her family and yeah. sort of go through that process of re-coming out and then kind of, kind of, you know, they had three months to kind of realize what was going on, but they hadn't seen her or spoken to her in person. So it's a bit of a WTF moment, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it, I mean, I don't, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely awful that she had to kind of go through that, especially with the negative backlash and everything. But it, but it definitely sounds like when the two of you found each other that you then, kind of used your relationship to make a positive impact and, and make positive waves and I guess that's when your YouTube channel came in so so what kind of spurred you guys on to creating that channel well you know again that was sort of Angelisa's brainchild she's really been the creative force behind it and she came to me one day and she she said Nina I want us to do a you you know she's very direct <laughs> there's no filter with my wife she's and when she wants something and she has an idea she makes it happen she was like Nina I want have a YouTube channel um, and I want to help people and I think we can use our relationship to sort of put it out there that this is you know I'm putting this in parentheses you know normal and um, sort of use our and we're talking about only a few months into our relationship so the funny thing is that when you go onto our channel and you watch the first video we ever posted like the about our channel and Jaleesa isn't really speaking English and I actually don't know have a clue what she's saying to wow. introduce us so we're yeah. talking about two different things so our whole relationship is on YouTube, really, because we started it a few months in, and now we're three years later. Um, and the point of it really is to sort of get, get you know, spread love and equality and, mm. and say that, you know, this is okay, gay is okay. We have the same issues than any straight couple. And, and you know, we wanted to make it for the LGBT community, but we really wanted to make it for everyone because we've had, you know, negative comments come from people saying, I don't want my children watching this. Yeah. You know, you should be ashamed of yourself. And then we sort of responded to their comments and they're like, oh, thank you for Educating. changing my mind. You know, yeah, thank you for changing my mind. And now I understand. And, you know, that, that, makes, that makes it for us. I think that's when you know that you're making um, like really positive changes and a really positive difference is when you're managing to reach those people because I think a lot of the time it can be very easy to be in our own echo chambers and we talk to an audience that already accepts LGBT plus people and I think it's when you get people stumbling upon your channel who aren't particularly progressive 
who may have some kind of homophobic ideas and when those people watch and you're able to engage those people in, in conversation and I think that's when you actually change minds and I think that's how you ultimately make a difference so I, I, I think it's I think it's so great and wonderful that you know you are you actually do engage in conversation and say look and, and you know look we're, we're in love we're in a relationship this is you know how we choose to express ourselves and, and, and i think that's a, a really powerful thing especially if you're saying that you know these people are actually coming back and saying thank you so much for educating me for enlightening me yeah it really makes the difference and it makes you know it reminds us you know we've had moments and there's been gaps on the youtube where it's just you know life gets the better of us and you know it can't always be as consistent with posting um, and then we'll get a letter from, you know, some, someone saying, you know, thanks so much, you know, because of your videos, I was able to come out to my family and, you know, it was really hard and, you know, but I'm now going through the process of helping them accept it. And you know, we get all sorts, you know, all sorts contacting us in all ages and, you know, even women um, who are married and much older but, and they, they don't know what to do with their feelings and it's, you know, obviously we have to be really careful with the advice we give. Um, we just posted a video and one of the questions was, like, what, what advice would you give to someone who is gay in an intolerant country? Mm. And it's sort of so hard to answer a question like that because I was so lucky to be sort of born into London, moved to New York. Um, you know, we're in LA now, so technically, you know, my experiences of the culture I've been around has been more accepting than most. Um, and it's as much as you try to imagine how hard it would be for someone who lives in a place where, you know, you could get killed or, mm -hmm. you know, beaten up. And I know that can happen anywhere and still happens in L.A. and New York and, and London, etc. But really, you know, you multiply that by 100. And yeah. it, it makes me nervous to give advice because, you know, the, I think the thing I said over a couple of times on that question was just be safe. Because mm. um, you don't want to say something to put someone in danger. And Angelise, too, she really feel as safe in Brazil. Um I, I, and she decided to leave, you know. So I, I absolutely understand that 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 kind of difficulty. You know, it, it's it's similar question to what what I get often come into my messages and into my inbox, and it's an awful lot of, of of questions from people living in countries where they're not accepted, and it's possibly even illegal to be gay, or their lives are in are in danger, and people saying things like, "How am I to come out? What what do I do in this situation?" It's almost an in, an impossible question to answer but i do think that in you know just by having your youtube channel and just by showing yourselves as a happy couple i think that in itself is is giving these people hope well thank you i appreciate you seeing that and that's really how we feel too and i, I really wish i had youtube when i was growing up me too me too it would have made my probably would have come out definitely a lot earlier um, and just being able to, because I really didn't have any, I mean, I found out a couple of my school friends are lesbians too, but I didn't know then. So it wasn't yeah. something I thought about. Yeah, I, I wish I had a, a, something like YouTube to be able to sort of hear people's stories and, and kind of really understand what the hell are. Absolutely. And I, I, I do, I really do genuinely think you're making an enormous difference. Um, for anyone listening who wants to check out um, your channel, uh, how can they find that? Just go onto YouTube and type in Angelis and Nina. Super simple. It will come out. Amazing. So Angelis and Nina, just, just search for that and we'll pop up.
Amazing. Well, I'm definitely going to be binge watching you this evening. So <laughs> expect a handful of comments from me. They'll be, they'll be coming in. Brilliant, brilliant. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait. It was a lovely, lovely talking to you, Nina. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on. Really, really excited that, uh, that I did this. So um, have a great one. And maybe when we come to London, we'll see you again. Oh, I would absolutely love that. Let, come to London. Come on the show. We'll have a great yeah, time. I'd love to meet you too. Done. Done. We'll make it happen. I'll bring, I'll bring, I'll bring the wife. I would love to meet Angelise because uh, I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, when I come to London, I'm going to let you know. We'll get together. <laughs> Amazing. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you so much, Nina. Right. See you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. She was incredible, wasn't she? She was absolutely incredible. But I think also Angelus is an incredible, incredible human being. Yeah. Just hearing what she did. Mm, wow. I, it, it's amazing. And I, I, but I just, I love their story. I just feel like how, how unlikely is it that that, that that had happened? And I just think it's incredible how they found each other and now how they're using Angelisa's past experiences and their relationship to do positive things. Well, I just think it's uh, it really... It's, it was serendipity. Yeah. It was her It was both their serendipity, but it really, really, really kind of reminds me of just how strong the feelings are to want oh, to connect, yeah. Yeah. to want to be in love, to want to have that need fulfilled, that emotional in- intimacy. You know, they just transcended. I mean, Angelis probably didn't, you know, couldn't really afford like, you know, paying this much for an app yeah, like yeah, that. Absolutely. But her need was so strong to connect with this human being that they now sort of like live with each other. Like they spend the rest of their lives together. It's just so strong. Why would you want to stop two people that love each other? From, from, be, doing, from, that, doing, from that. doing that absolutely um, and um, I've got a little segue for you here okay. um, speaking of needs that need to be met oh yeah I'm going to play you a little bit I've of got an itch to scratch Outside by oh, George yeah. Michael we all have an itch to scratch I, I, I love that song and, and Furhan and I were just having a little chat about you know how kind of out there and how outspoken George Michael was about sex and, yeah. and being a gay man who was incredibly sexual so on that note Furhan we're going to mm-hmm. play a little bit of porn or not porn oh now. I think I'll be really really good at this <laughs> so I have here I've got five clips um, mm-hmm. some of these are indeed from porn and some of these are in the th- because you know it's Easter coming up thought we'd make it in the theme so some of these are bunnies bunny rabbits okay um and you're gonna have to figure out which are porn and which are bunny rabbits i've not heard these either and i'm very excited and confused about to to me it sounds like it would be very easy to decipher the difference between a a bunny rabbit and porn but i guess i guess we'll i guess we'll find out Uh, yeah i would have thought so too this is really unexpected but go on (laughs) (laughs) okay so your first bunny or pawn it's wow that sounds like porn it does sound a little bit like I cannot imagine that to be bunnies like uh, <laughs> ever on any planet I don't I'm you're ruining bunnies for me <laughs> I, that's no, definitely porn I'm not sure in what universe that could possibly be bunnies a bunny rabbit okay really visualize get it in your mind you're looking at the little rabbit hutch no i don't want to no, look, at, look at the little rabbit hutch okay. and, and your little your little bunny he's black and white and he's hopping along and you you've just dropped a carrot into the cage okay you ready for this okay here we go 
See, look, he's just excited about the carrot. It's you, not a bunny rabbit. It's it's not a bunny rabbit. You're absolutely right. It is porn. <laughs> and right. that was from a lovely little video called Loud Moaning Hotel Room Fucking. Non-stop squirting. Um, so, yeah, that, that I assume that noise at the end there was perhaps the squirting. What, the ding? The, no, the, 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 the moan. I imagine that's when the, oh, the right. squirting began. Sounded like she was enjoying herself. She sounds so, like she's having a great yeah, time. So, yeah, squirting. Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your next one. Okay. What? That, that, was that actually a sound? Uh, no, no, no. Listen, if you listen carefully, you can hear a little bit of something happening. Stop looking at my answers. Oh. <laughs> I was looking at the button, but um, that sounds like it could be rabbits. Mm, I, I, I hear Wait, it. no. Okay, go back again. Like, you have to more. listen really carefully. Okay. There's a, I can hear a little... Uh... Oh, God. No, Why are you doing this to me? Oh, right. Okay. It sounds like either like wet... Um, I don't know, like somebody... It sounds like something wet and sticky. Yeah. Kind of that... But that could also be, that could be a bunny chewing... Yeah. You're ruining cute rabbits for me. I'm not sorry. Right, and for everyone as well. Okay, I think that's rabbits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. That is a bunny. Clean mind. It's a bunny trying broccoli for the first time. Oh, sounds like he's enjoying it. That's cute. That is cute. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where we're going with this. I'm so excited (laughs) to hear these. All right, next one. All right. Okay, that could be either. Uh. I don't know how that could sound like a bunny, like... Well, he's, like, excited in his cage. Sounds quite fast to be porn. I mean, it'd be like... <laughs> I feel sorry for whoever is involved in that, if it was porn. Because it would be... That's very rapid. I've got two very visual things in my mind. I've got, on one hand, I've got the bunny, and he's all excited in his cage, and he's, like, running around, and he's rattling it. Yeah. And then on the other hand, I've got, like, a really rickety, crap motel bed. Just yeah. kind of, like... Tick, tick, yes. tick, tick, tick. Could be Could be either or. Okay. Mm. Um... I'm going to go for... Uh, oh. I'm going to go for porn. You're going to go for porn? Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid you're wrong. That right. was indeed a little bunny. Um, I see. That was from a video called My Happy Bunny Talking to Me. Mm-hmm. Having a great time. Fabulous. <laughs> All right, your next one. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. Like, who chose these clips? <laughs> <laughs> I, it, what could have maybe like Bugs Bunny? <laughs> oh, is it Bugs Bunny? Oh, I guess it could be like a cartoon bunny, like laughing. Oh, oh maybe. Well, maybe. Although, or it could be like a very, very um, emasculated male man that's been um, basically laughed at because he's not. He's not. Maybe he's not entertaining anything. I'm I'm hearing uh, all I hear is moaning. To be honest, really, I thought that was more of a laugh. No, it's a moan. Oh, you're right. Uh, it was a uh, moan. Uh, okay, yeah. that's obviously porn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? Yes. I thought sure? maybe it could have been a rabbit, but, uh, bunny, <laughs> like it could have been Bugs Bunny, but not really. You are correct. Okay, it good. is porn, and oh, I'm so sorry. This is from. He's pumping cum into me like crazy. Mm. Beautiful. Lucky him or her. Lucky lucky them. Lucky them, or it could be, <laughs> yes, any gender. All right, your final, final one. Oh, God, here we go. Oh. 
Wait, you just told me what it's called, so it's obviously porn. No, 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 no. The last one was he's oh. pumping coming to me like crazy. Oh, right. This one. There's That's a, lot... a rabbit. It's really cute as well. What's that little noise? Yeah, I've a had rabbit? a rabbit in the past. They I've make that had noise. a rabbit. Yeah, and I did not want to associate that noise with porn. I I think that's a cute little rabbit because they make that little like groany noise, yeah. you know. So I reckon that is a, a rabbit. It's a little bit tired. Oh, yeah. That better be fucking porn. If, if this is porn, is that gonna, really it's gonna, gonna ruin, ruin my life? For you? Yeah. I'm play it for you one more time. Oh, that really that to me sounds like a really really sweet little rabbit. You are correct. Oh, it is indeed a I rabbit. Have mind. <laughs> Great. That was from a video called Bunny Explores New Hutch. Yeah. Okay, good. We like that video. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Well, we are going to be reacting to our lovely listeners' sex confessions soon. Perfect. Um, so if you are listening and you would like to send in any kind of sex confession or any kind of question related to sex or dating or relationships, then you can do that anonymously by emailing callum at foobarradio.com and we'll be reacting to those in a little bit. But first, let's have a little bit more, George, shall we? Oh, absolutely. Always, always a bit more, George. A bit more, more George. Can we just take a moment to love George for a second? Just a pre, this <sighs> a pre, George Michael appreciation moment. May he rest in heaven. May he rest in heaven. Gay heaven. Gay heaven. Gay heaven. George, 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 George. We love George. All right. Farhan, how do you feel about dating apps? Dating apps. Where would we be without where them? Where would we be without them? Uh, probably doing a lot more productive stuff, I think, with our lives. No, I'm kidding. You know what? I, I, I need to say something about dating apps. This, yeah. this just popped into my head, and I feel like I need to say it. Um, I recently, I'm not going to say any names or any people, obviously, but like, I recently met a lovely, lovely boy sure. on a dating app, and we went on one date, and... We decided that we, we weren't interested in each other at all. But we actually... Stayed uh, friends. We stayed very, very yeah. good friends. And I feel like recently we've become really, really close. Yeah. Um, and he actually recently then met one of my best friends. Yeah. And ended up going on a date with him. Yeah. And, they you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but, like, yeah. something may happen there. And I just think, like, that's quite lovely. Like, a lot of people speak so negatively about dating apps, and I think... Oh, they haven't harnessed its true power yet. I was on a dating app when I lived in Hertfordshire, and I started chatting to this guy. We met up on a date. We didn't, um, we didn't have much in common, let's just say, but it was nice to sit down and have a little cup of tea. But then he proceeded to give me a lot of property advice... Property advice. Yeah, because okay. I was like going through my uh, sort of buying property for myself. Oh, right. So it was useful. It wasn't just out of the blue. I'm going to give you property no, advice. No, I was just talking to him generally. <laughs> well, this is the thing. So you go on a date with someone. You don't know what you're going to be talking about. Mm. And mm. around that time, I was actually buying my first property. You know, I was getting myself on the property ladder. Yeah. I know I'm one of those rare millennials that actually managed to do it. <laughs> but it was in Hertfordshire. I, I bet you've never bought an avocado, have you? Huh? Avocado? You've never no, bought an avocado? No, I actually have. Oh, God. You're I managing both? Yeah, well, I managed to get an avocado <laughs> and a flat white now and then. But I, I left it. Till after, no, I'm kidding. I, do you know what? That's one of the things I want to talk about in YouTube videos because 
uh, there are ways of getting around it. Anyway, so I um, <laughs> talked to him and he, I was like telling him about something I wanted to buy. And he was like, why are you offering that much? Why don't you offer this much? And I was like, I can't go and do that. So he, he gave me a lot of property advice. That was mm. one thing. I've made lots of friends on dating apps. Yeah. I, Actually, my one of my ex-housemates, we met on a dating app. We went on a date and we didn't hit it off. Yeah. But... We were, we were definitely compatible as friends. Yeah, you know, and I, I think people are, are starting to be a bit more respectful of each other on dating apps, which is wonderful. Like, yeah. the, and I think that's why these friendships are able to emerge. You know, just because you don't click with somebody romantically or sexually doesn't mean you can't click with them on a friendship level. Absolutely. I mean, the the especially in a city like London where it's hard to kind of like meet people outside of work because you're working all the time you know and you're exhausted you don't always want to go out and get pissed yeah you know you're sitting at home and you're on your dating app you get chatting to people and you just you don't always have to there's no rule book you don't go in and say all right um this is what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about what you fancy what i fancy you can just talk about anything yeah like and then a friendship emerges out of that yeah you go for a drink and you're like okay we're not really that into each other but who cares we've had such a laugh today why don't we just do this again yeah and i think as well like going on dates i think people put so much pressure on going on dates and like oh i need to impress them and i need to do this thing i see going on a date as an opportunity to go out and do something fun yeah and you're bringing somebody you've never met before yeah. along to do that fun thing with yeah. you. And then, you know, if, if you don't hit it off, it doesn't matter because you both had a good, good time. You know, if, if something's coming up and I'm always like, oh, God, which one of my friends is going to go with to see this sure. thing that only yeah. I'm interested in? Exactly. And none of my friends are interested. Yeah. Best place to go on a date. I yeah, find. Yes. No, and uh, what about all the places to eat in London? All the great places to eat, right? Yeah. You talk about it all the time. Like, you, you know it's like a smorgasbord of uh, different <laughs> cuisines from all over the planet. Like, yeah. you, hear, you hear about it all the time. London's a great place to eat. But do you ever go to those places? Well, you're not going to go and sit there on your own, are you? Yeah, you know? exactly. Or, uh, but your friends are, like, not into this food, not into that food, you know, or too busy, not got enough money, blah, blah. Okay, go on a date with someone that's got the same income as you and meet them there and enjoy the food together exactly and write about it later as well exactly you know smashed it lots of reasons to go on dates you don't have to put any expectations on it no absolutely not well speaking of dating apps um in front of me here i have um a little celebrity date dating profile so it's we've completely made this up this is not just for the record this is not actually a celebrity's dating app um (laughs) and from the clues on this dating app alone you're going to have to try and figure out which celebrity this is okay um if our lovely listeners want to see the profile with the picture blurred out you can do that by visiting the foobar radio instagram so are you ready for your first clue yes okay this young man owns an island off mainland belize which is the eastern coast of Central America. Is that it? That's the only thing I've got to go on? No, no, that's your first clue. Oh, I Jesus, see. Jesus, can you imagine? Right, I was like... <laughs> go on. <laughs> so, <laughs> young man. This young man, yes. Yeah, so young there's, there's man. Another, mm, I don't know if he's He's that not young. a young man. It's Richard Branson. He it's owns <laughs> Necker Island. It's not Richard oh, Branson. Right. I, he's not... He's not an old man, but he's not a particularly young man, right. I wouldn't say. Okay, all is right. he... So that's my first clue. So how does this game work? <laughs> I, I don't... I, do I have to ask for a second clue and I'll lose a point? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm just going to give oh, you okay. one. You're not going to lose right, anything. He, lose, he lives off... Can I ask? Yeah, you can ask me Is questions. he a musician? Uh, no. Okay, how is he famous? I'm not going to tell you that. Oh, it's like a yes <laughs> or no. Right, okay. uh, all right, your next clue. In 1997, he dated Emma Bunton. I had no idea he did this. 1997, he dated 
Emma, Emma Bunton. Bunton. That was like the height of Spice Girls. Yeah, I was seven years old. Yeah, don't you? Didn't you dance to it? I did. Oh my god, I love. I pretended to be uh, in love with Jerry Halliwell. Oh my god, I pretended to be in love with Jerry Halliwell. <laughs> total beard. To my total, I know. Yeah. Beard for the gays. Yeah, but yeah, she is though. Why does she attract every gay? <laughs> like, why is Jerry Halliwell the go-to gay woman? Well, like? she does constantly perform at prides. I think that okay. is. But just even before I knew what pride was, I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally like attracted to Jerry Halliwell. I think she was just a bit. Me. She was a bit spicy, wasn't yeah. she? Oh, spicy, spice but girls. I think she probably came up with the terrible. Name. Emma Bunton <laughs> wouldn't have worked because it'd just be like, oh, that's baby spice. That would have been a bit wrong. A bit wrong, yeah. yeah. Yeah, posh spice. You'd be like, no. oh god, that's frigid. Scary, no, too yeah, scary. Scary. Well, then it was and scary sporty. spice. Gays don't want to go near that. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you don't want to be confused for being a lesbian. Oh, no, <laughs> Eat okay. your words. Know, Eat your words. words. Right. Anyway. Okay. Would you like another clue? Yes. All right. This guy is very green. A dedicated environmental activist. God, these clues are hard this week. Lives aren't off they? the owns an island off the coast of Belize, Belize and. Is an environmentalist. And he, in 1997, he dated Emma Bunton. Oh, my God. Oh, I need another clue. All right. He turned down Spider-Man before his pal, Toby Maguire, took on the role. Oh, I should so he's know an this. actor. Yes, I should know this. This is terrible. I, oh. Okay, uh, do you know what? I need another clue. Is he American? Yes, he is. Oh, um, I also had an enormous crush on him when he was younger. Enormous crush on him so he's like an established hollywood actor yeah he I is i know who you're talking about damn it would you like your final final clue yeah go on he had to take lessons in how to do drugs for one of his biggest roles Ooh, he's american he's american how to take drugs so really? he did a did a very famous role where he took drugs intravenous or smoking? not intravenous Smoking, smoking crack. <laughs> no, I believe it was cocaine. If it's what I'm thinking of. Oh, I see. I think it is. I'm, oh, look, I'm that, looking to okay. my producers for confirmation because oh, I'm not sure. So, um, not, lots of drugs. Oh, lots of different roles. He had to take drugs. Right. Mm. I'm thinking of Mark Wahlberg in that movie. Which movie? The that one movie. Where, yeah, <laughs> the one where he took drugs. The, I, I, the, in the music industry. I have no idea what movie that is. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, definitely Mark Wahlberg. Is it? I that took loads of yeah drugs in this mu- music industry film about oh, the music industry Boogie Nights not seen it oh sorry Boogie you know Nights. what I'm not I'm not, I'm not giving you to, I'm not so giving easily. you this and Boogie Nights I'm really sorry to tell you that you're the first guest on the show who has not won this game <laughs> <laughs> I've only got one person to guess yeah it's just Is that, that one, only person? one person yeah oh, right, okay. it's not it's, Mark Wahlberg it wasn't Mark Wahlberg do you want to know who it was yeah go on then it was Leonardo DiCaprio but in, in fairness, those were very hard clues, and I wouldn't have been able to figure it out from those clues I either. I did not know he dated Emma Bunton. Me neither. Are we sure that's correct? They're nodding. Apparently okay. that happens. But All right. <laughs> and I don't know any movie where he was taking drugs. Uh, I, I was thinking Wolf of Wall Street, because he takes a lot of cocaine in oh, that. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. I and that. The Beach. Did he take drugs in that, maybe? No, did he? He drank like no, he snake's take... blood. Oh, he did. Yeah, that's the test. snake's drunk, blood. Yeah, yeah we sure. all, we've all done that. We've, <laughs> we've all, all had done those that. times. You we've know? all been there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I think you did quite well. You didn't get it right, but no. you did quite well. Okay. All right, we are going to have a little bit of "Steal My Sunshine" by Len, and then we're going straight into sex confessions. <laughs> Sunday morning. 
Radio presents Access All Areas. London Hughes, hello. Jamal ah, Collins is a lovely woman. The JC is a different beast. There's two. <laughs> there's two. There's Jamal Collins and there's the JC. So Beyonce and... I've met them both and Jamal Collins is so sweet. She's I can't. I just can't. Oh, she's too much. She's too much. When that guy came into the restaurant and he was like, "You're a bit late" or something, and yeah. she was like, "She was like, I can't handle this, yeah. grand babe." Because she does GC. But is that real or is it for 100% the camera? Hundred percent real. Hundred percent. That's that's the side of her. Every Thursday, access all areas from six pm. Fubar Radio. All right, I've been looking forward to this. This is time for sex confessions. Thank you so much to everyone who sent in your sex confessions today. I'm very excited to read these. Would you like to do the honours of reading the first one? I would love to. Okay, this this one here. Fiancé. (laughs) Why did I say it like that? No idea. Fiancé is out of town, and I spent the day with friends watching sports. Kicked them out because I had to meet my family for dinner, quotation marks, but really, it was so I could wank till the cows come home. Oh, wow. Okay, so I thought this was going to go down the route of the fiancé's out of town, you kick the friends out, and you're going to have a little bit of on the, uh, fun on affair, the side over. But actually, this is all above board, all yeah. very much allowed, all very... I, honestly, I'm all made up for you. And I know, I know, and I know that feeling as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when you yeah. finally get the house to yourself and it's Absolutely. like, right, let's get the porn on full blast. And oh, let's... yeah, you can really let loose. Yeah, you know? I'm into that. Uh-huh. Um, good for you, honestly. Like, I, th- this is this is my favourite thing as well. And I also like to think that um, the fiancé being out of town is like a... I, I really don't like it when th- there are people out there who th- who seem to think that their partner masturbating by themselves is some kind of issue or yeah. even their partner watching porn by themselves is some kind of issue. And I really don't think it is like it's it's me time. Absolutely. Everyone needs me time. Yeah. Like, it's very healthy as well. It's very good for relaxation and mm, stress relief. Yeah. Why, does, would you, why would you deny your partner that? Yeah, absolutely. Do you want a stress, stressed out partner? But I've <laughs> I've heard of couples where, and I don't know, I don't I don't even know if it's true, but they they say that they only have sex with each other mm. and they never do it on their own, and that seems so alien to me. Very alien to me too. I just think, you know, this is, um, you know, the, the, then it come becomes like a possession, like mm. almost. It's like, well, I possess your sexuality. No, you no, don't. You don't. Well, yeah, nobody possesses your sexuality but yourself. Exactly. It's your, it's your own sexuality. You shouldn't really, really allow your partner to do that. I don't think. I, I agree. I agree. So good for you, wanking for till you. the cows Have come a home. Really, really good old wank for, <laughs> on, on us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next one is: I had an accidental foursome which involved my best friend and a guy with a girlfriend and a cocaine lord for three hours in a bathroom at a house party. What, that went that went all over the place, didn't it? So there's mm. th- the force of them. It's you, the best friend, a guy who had a girlfriend, but the girlfriend wasn't present, uh-huh. and a cocaine lord. Oh, so it was like a big gay orgy, actually. It was a gay... Yeah, it sounds like a... As presuming this person is a man, yes. um, it, this sounds like a gay... Actually, no. The cocaine be, lord could be a, th- a, a woman actually, or a non-binary person. Actually, it could actually be two, two women and two guys as well. Because, like, I, a woman, had an accidental foursome which involved my female best friend. Yeah, a guy with a, with a guy girl. who had a girlfriend and a cocaine lord who, who also was a male. No, we don't know that it's we don't a male. Know, but it could be all genders, actually. This is very good. I, I think it's very interesting that we assumed the genders yeah. of the, the person who's written this in the best friend and the cocaine lord and we assumed those were all males when they could be any gender yeah when we started off we're very bad people are we we're very bad people 
what because we assumed uh, the genders no it's just i think no we're not bad people obviously i think but i think it's really interesting that we have this kind of like automatic to go towards the man absolutely i think that when you <laughs> read the word i just yeah. the letter i or the word i yeah i suppose in your mind unfortunately cognitively you do associate that with a, a male because we are with. men because we are men maybe mm. you know i'd like to think that it's only because we're men um, anyway, <coughs> discussion about gender aside. Aside, <laughs> very, uh, very interesting experience you you four had. Yeah, it sounds like, and I love the different. I love that it's the best friend, mm. a guy with a girlfriend, and a cocaine lord because it's it's like all three of those in one way are naughty. Yeah, like you shouldn't be having your best. Re- you yes. shouldn't be having sex with your it's best friend. Very many layers. Shouldn't be having sex with a guy no. with a girlfriend, and probably shouldn't be having sex with a cocaine lord. No one should really be having sex with a cocaine lord. No. I don't think. Um, um, but it sounds like you had a great time. The fact that it went on for three hours and you stuck it out. Oh, I didn't read that part. Yeah, in a bathroom. Possibly something to do with the cocaine lord. I think. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, sounds like an amazing time. And honestly, I I, I applaud you. Um, I yeah. ho- hope it was great and I hope I have a story like that to tell one day alright would you like to read the next one right okay <clears throat> I know douching is the way to go great opener <laughs> but but I've read that too much of it is not really good that's actually true yeah, it, it can really affect the flora within yeah. your your ass um, what to do in spontaneous situations are and are guys really considerate if an accident occurs by that, I mean a little trace, not a whole lot, just a little trace. So, I mean, I don't engage in penetrative sex myself, um, but I have in the past and I have a lot of friends who do. And I've heard an awful lot of stories of where an accident occurs, you know, at the end of the day, it, it is an asshole, which deals with waste. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it kind of comes with the territory some, sometimes. And I think guys in general are very considerate um, if something should happen there and I think that's absolutely fine and I think if they're not being considerate then that comes from a place of immaturity on their end of things well I'm really glad that your listener has called in with this because I think it's a very pertinent issue to Mm. be talking about now I think that there's a responsibility at the bottom to ensure that actually you are um, gonna you know things are gonna get keep moving in a really yeah. really like nice way now I, when I had uh, a partner and I lived with my partner we had a very nice sex life I was bottom he was top um, but whilst we were living together in Edinburgh I had a, a very vegetarian diet mm. and a lot of fibre and because I was um, because Edinburgh was a much more chilled out city where uh, you know I wasn't busy working all the time yeah um i was actually studying as well uh i used to like prepare a lot of vegetarian food a lot of like really healthy food roughage roughage in it yeah and that used to keep me i found that that kept me quite cleansed yeah, you know and quite absolutely. regular as well so that was really cool i never had to douche or anything yeah i don't think that douching is really that great for you because it really disturbs the flora within uh-huh. your uh within your you know your asshole let's just say and um I would minimise that, but at the same time, uh, you you do want to keep it, you know, it's, it's spring clean almost yeah. uh, and regular. Actually, you could actually just have a have a dump before, yeah, 
absolutely. You know? or, I, I do. I do just want to add to what you were saying about douching, and what you were saying is absolutely correct. And like, it can cause issues with the lining in in your ass and all and all things like that. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, rule it out as an option. I think a little bit of experimentation, perhaps. If you know, if you sat there thinking, I really want to give douching a go because it would give me a bit more peace of mind then i think experimenting with it's fine um but you just do need to be careful because if it does cause any kind of issue if it causes any kind of irritation then that is probably a sign to stop and mm. if it does cause any kind of irritation you should probably speak to a doctor yeah. but i agree with you you know high fiber diet is always going to help really and if you does. don't need to douche then don't douche no. you know yeah um, and when i was a bottom i never used to douche and i never ever had a problem um i was in a six-year relationship with a top and that wasn't an issue once so that you know sounds fabulous it was oh, great at the time there are not enough tops in this city <laughs> <I don't think>. <laughs> <laughs> there absolutely aren't um i wish we could talk about this all day we have so many more sex confessions that we'll have oh. to come back to next week but we're no. actually at the end of the show i could talk like this for ages oh you you are one of the most wonderful guests that i've had on this show and it's such a pleasure talking to you and you're so positive and optimistic and you're you're just an absolute dream thank you i'm gonna go and just watch all your videos (laughs) reminisce (laughs) about how fabulous it is. give me that adsense give me that watch time (laughs) (laughs) Um, if people want to find you on social media if people want to follow you which they absolutely should where can they do that absolutely they can go to my twitter which is fezbop and that's uh, at f-e-z-b-o-p or they can check me out on facebook ferhan.khan I keep everything public and uh, I'm going to be doing some YouTube videos soon so definitely keep keep an eye out for them and maybe maybe we'll work together a little bit I would love to do that I would I I absolutely love to do that I I cannot imagine anything better than having you on my channel oh my god I'm so happy (laughs) and on that note I'm going to play us out with one of your choices um, and this is the amazing (laughs) 212 oh yeah here we go If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes.